0: Hey, Trojan fans, get ready for the Trojan Blast podcast. The Trojan Blast is like our regular Peristyle podcast with a little twist. You can download all of our podcasts 24 hours a day, seven days a week at peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Trojan Blast podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Peristyle Podcast. We are doing a USCfootball.com special recruiting podcast. We call it the Trojan Blast. Normally have our recruiting expert, Gerard Martinez, come on the show and talk all about USC football recruiting. We're going to mix it up a little bit this week. Gerard, unfortunately, is not feeling all that well, so we will let him uh, have the week off, and I'll go through... We have a lot of recruiting questions, so I'll go through all of the recruiting questions and do my best to answer all of them to your satisfaction. Hopefully, you get a better understanding of what's going on with USC football recruiting. I did email Gerard and got some feedback from him, so he still will be have a presence here in the podcast, even though he can't really talk all that well right now, so I'll kind of talk for him, and I'll relay some of what he sent over to me as far as the questions go. All right, well, let's get into these questions here. I'm first going to go to a voicemail question. Uh, this one sent in a few questions for us.
1: Hi, this is Duchon from Georgia again. Thank you, Gerard, and thank you, Ryan, for putting me on as a special question. It really made my week. Um, I had a couple questions. Um, first of all, I heard about a kid named Ryan Dillard, who is going to be a preferred walk-on at Buford, Georgia. he got a Buford, Georgia I'm not really sure, but I think he is out of Georgia. Um, I want to know if there's any truth to that. My other question is, outside of Nico Fala, what other tackles does USC have a good chance for? And my third thing was a correction. Um, I actually made a mistake because I was a little nervous. Uh, The kid's name is Mike Mitchell, not Mike Malone, out of Texas. And the other kid I said was Jay Thomas. It was Jay Woods. Sorry about that. I was a little nervous. But thank you for putting me on the podcast. I made everybody listen to it, including... Uh, these UGA fans that I know, thank
0: you for everything. Hey, I'm glad we could uh, put you on the podcast, and hope you enjoyed hearing your voice there on the Peristyle Podcast. Make your friends listen all the time. Hopefully, they'll become USC fans and and go from there. So, you had uh, three questions here. I'll do my best on those. So, Ryan Dillard is a defensive back. He is out of Buford, Georgia. Wasn't uh, ranked by Rivals. He's actually a class of uh, 2012 uh, player. So he, you know, someone that would already have signed in February. Uh, the latest I had on him was he was committed to Air Force. I don't know if he ended up signing there, and I'm really not sure if he ended up being a preferred walk-on at USC. I definitely can look into that. It wasn't a kid I had ever heard of before, uh, but we can kind of check on that. But he is from Buford, Georgia, and had committed to uh, Air Force. Uh, you mentioned uh, Nico Fala. As far, And then we have some questions later on in the podcast, and we'll get into some more detail on the uh USC offensive uh, line situation. Actually, we can kind of do one of those next, I guess. Um, but yeah, he's the only USC has of what you would consider offensive tackles. For my count, there's 12 offers out there, and for USC offensive tackles across the country, only one of them is uh, an in-state kid, and that is uh, Nico Fala, as you mentioned. Probably the maybe the most realistic chance, uh, Kenny Lacy. He's six foot six, 270 pounds, out of uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, he's kind of a closer guy that I think USC would uh, have some something of a, a shot with. So hopefully that answered your questions, and thanks for the corrections on those. I know, Gerard, there was a few names that, that, that you had brought up, and I think some other people brought up some names as well. They weren't really sure who they were, and I guess if you don't get the names right, <laughs> it's a little harder for us to catch those. But that's okay. Thanks for those questions, and uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Amir in uh, Sherman Oaks. And I apologize. Hopefully, we can get through this okay. With no one else talking, it's going to be a very long uh, podcast. We have a lot of questions to get to. So, hope you guys enjoy it. And I hope my voice will hold up throughout the uh, 45 minutes or so that I'm sure this will take. Let's go to Amir and Sherman Oaks. He says, Do we have a shot at getting any of the following? Uh, and he lists uh, a few different offensive uh, tackles. And it's, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, E Tank. Posick, I think is how they say it, six foot seven, two 285 pounds out of uh, Lamont, Illinois. He's a four-star. Uh, Aaron Cochran is a 6'6", 320 pounder out of Atwater, California. He's also a four-star. Kenny Lacey, who I already mentioned, 6'6", 270. Four-star kid from Phoenix. And John Lopez, six-five, three twenty-eight, 328 uh, from Orange Lutheran. Uh, he wants to know who most likely get. get. I actually talked to Gerard about this. And really the only lineman listed above Uh, that has an offer is Posick, and uh, he's really a long shot. uh, You know, calling him all the way from Illinois until he visits USC. So you got to get that visit going. Lacey is a big USC fan. He does not have an offer, but he could get one at uh, one of the camps, like the lineman camp coming up in early June or the Rising Stars camp. Uh, And USC actually went to see him in Arizona twice uh, this month. Uh, But he's a legitimate offensive uh, tackle prospect, and Lacey's probably the most likely uh, at least that's what Gerard told me. So, I feel the same way. But yeah, that's uh, that. Seems like it makes a lot of sense. Um, there's also a question from Amir on linebacker Jalen Smith. He goes on to say, "There's lots of buzz around linebacker Jalen Smith. He's six foot three, two hundred and plus pounds. Linebacker from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Another four star kid. Uh, his rapid growing interest. I'm quoting here in USC. Can you tell us a bit of, more about him?" And how real it is USC has a shot uh, at getting him. And uh, Gerard said that rapid is really a catchy word uh, for a guy that really hasn't come out west to see any schools. So he hasn't not only come out west, he hasn't really left home. He hasn't gone that far from home to see schools. Notre Dame, obviously close by, that's his unofficial leader. And he's talking about making a swing out to the west coast this summer. So we'll probably know more if he ends up doing that, he's tall athletic outside linebacker. And I think USC would have to weigh what he can do uh, against a guy like who are local, like say uh, a Michael Hutchings. And um, we also had Jeff asking about Jalon Smith saying, it sounds like the staff has been open to a second linebacker. So is this our new top target along with Michael Hutchings? Uh, anything on uh, DeMarcus Walker, the defensive end from Florida, uh, and is there anyone specific GM can see pulling the trigger on at the rising stars camp? So, you know, we did talk about Smith. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a dream name right now, uh, out of state. And, you know, when we have to wait and see if he visits, then you can kind of take it to the next level. But right now that's part of the process, uh, for like a guy like Ty Isaac, uh, his recruitment was accelerated. Uh, you know, he visited schools early. Talked about doing stuff early in the spring, so uh, you know you can kind of see the differences there. Uh, He mentioned Demarcus Walker. uh, Right now, heavy Gator lean, uh, so University of Florida. Uh, If he actually makes it to SC, we'll see. I mean, it hasn't come out. You know, if he comes out officially, then you know, kind of see what happens there. It's still May. Uh, There's a lot of people talking about favorite school this, favorite school that, uh, and then in July is really when it's kind of a dead period. So we'll have to see what happens after that. Um, Gerard, Gerard told me recruiting and and recruiting actions speak louder than words. Uh, buying the hype is buying a ticket to an eight month roller coaster. So pace yourselves, pump the brakes is what Gerard does, uh, like to say quite a bit on those topics. So it's pretty early and, and, you know, it depends on, you know, there's different tracks for different out of state guys. And, you know, you're a guy like that. That's a heavy Gator lean right now. I think you have to kind of wait and see. Um, one other question, this is from Theo, uh, on Jalen Smith, but he wants to know chances of, of landing both Foster, Reuben Foster, uh, and Jalen Smith. Uh, so Reuben Foster is a five-star linebacker out of, uh, Auburn, Alabama. He's an Alabama commit six foot two, 228 pounds. Um, and Gerard, you know, agreed with what I had to say too, as of now, not very high. Uh, it's going to be tough to get Foster uh, away from Alabama. And we obviously already talked about, you know, the kind of long shot, what's going on there with Jaylon Smith. So as of now, wouldn't say hi on either of those guys. And obviously things can change, but uh, nothing indicating that right now. Okay. Let's go back to voicemails. I think this question is coming in. Yeah. This one's coming in from Mike.
1: Hello. My name is Mike from Lakeview Terrace. Uh, I just have three questions I want to ask. I'll get through them real quick. First question is, do the Trojans have a realistic chance at the number one player in the country out of Loganville, Georgia Robert, I can't pronounce his last name, so I won't even disrespect him by trying. Uh, Question number two, of the seven recruits that we have committed, are any of them considered a soft commit? And question number three, I've heard the word good and really good when describing Max Brown, the um, quarterback out of Washington, but I never hear the word great. I've heard concerns about his arm strength also. Um... How good is he exactly, if you guys can give me a feel for that, and can he be the next great Trojan quarterback? Thanks a lot for your time.
0: All right, Mike, Uh, thanks for those questions. I'll jump into the first one. You're talking about Robert Kimdiche, uh, number one player in the country, according to Rivals.com, and uh, he's a guy that Ed Orgeron is trying to recruit. I do not believe, I haven't talked to Gerard about this, but I don't believe there's really a realistic shot there. I mean, you can't count. A guy like Ed Orgeron out. But it's pretty much uh, Southern schools. If you listen to any of his interviews, uh, USC doesn't come up. The last one I saw, the most recent one, definitely didn't hear USC in his list of of schools you're talking about. I think he added what he added, Mississippi State, uh, recently. But, yeah, it, I, I would assume he's going to stay somewhere down there in uh, SEC type of country. So I wouldn't... Uh, Put any hopes into that one right now. Uh, are any guys a soft commit? I think Gerard would probably say everybody is a soft commit. Until you sign in February, you don't really know. Um, I mean, I think the guys that are right now just people that, you know, when you, you there's four out of state commits and having out of state commits this early, I think there's always a risk factor there. But everyone that we've talked to, and, and if you read all the stories on USCfootball.com, didn't seem like anyone was making like a hasty decision. Ah, uh, there weren't guys that committed early that you weren't really sure what was going on. I don't think there was a anyone that's committed early that USC might be regretting giving offers to things like that. We saw we saw a lot of that last year. I don't I don't see any of that, and I would if I had to bet, I would bet that all the guys that are committed right now would end up signing. But like we said, it's recruiting. Uh, people change their minds, situations change. Uh, you know, so so something could happen, but I wouldn't really consider anyone like a super soft commit but even solid commits aren't really commits until you sign. And then on Max Brown, I think uh now I think a lot of people described him as a great quarterback and uh you know some you know he's a little bit taller kid and I think if you get to watch, you know watch for yourself. We put up a lot of video uh up there on uh, uscfootball.com on rivals.com and he was uh, you know, you can see him around there. We're going to see him again, and we'll we'll put up more footage of him. But, no, I certainly have heard people describe him as great. I have not got to see him in person yet, only well, through video. I think uh, Gerard would probably even describe him uh, that way as well. And you can listen to some of the other podcasts on what, uh, you know, kind of Gerard thought and where he went from there. But, I mean, certainly is a kid that I, I think a lot of people feel could come in and, and take over, you know, where Matt Barkley left off. He's going to come in in, uh, you know, in January and compete in the spring with the, the Cody Kesslers and uh, Max Wittix and uh, Jesse Scroggins, and it's going to be very difficult to, to come in there. Matt Barkley came in and competed against some guys with experience and, and won out. Um, I don't know if Lane Kiffin would do that. We'll see. I mean, it, it's just going to depend. I think they world put the, the best player out there. It would be very tough for Max Brown to come in and jump ahead of those guys, and that would obviously cause – all kinds of questions about, you know, guys going to transfer and things like that. I wouldn't, you know, bet on that happening, but, you know, we've seen, we've seen crazier things in the past. So we'll see there. Certainly, I, you know, I think he is a great quarterback, and he's de- definitely deserved it of the scholarship. I and mean, he's the, the number one ranked quarterback in the country, according to rivals, and I think a lot of people agree with that. So, yeah, I, I, I do think you can, you can call him a great quarterback. Uh, let's go to Terry in uh, Los Angeles. And Terry's saying, just wondering how hard USC is pursuing JJ. Well, I guess uh, he's on a nickname basis with with this recruit. Seems to have a nice backpedal and turns his hips very fluidly and uses his hands aggressively. So who is he talking about? Uh, he is talking about Johnny Johnson, a.k.a. Double J. So he's out of Fresno, California, defensive back. Uh, rivals has him as a four-star, 5'10", 175 pounds, and J.J., Double J, saying that USC and UCLA are after him uh, the hardest. Uh, the one thing Marvin Sanders, the USC defensive back coach, hasn't seen him in person yet. So that's just something to note. Uh, but definitely a great player. And uh, you know, Gerard thinks he's ready to contribute right out of the box. Uh, the big debate comes in. If you compare him long-term with other corners that are on the board, Johnson's a guy you won on your team for a game in September. Other guys like Chris Hawkins... Guys, uh, guys that you'd like more for a, or for a game two September's from now. So he's the kind of guy you could bring in right away. Uh, you know, at least Gerard's opinion, and you know, bring him in. And uh, Hawkins might be better, kind of further down the road. So hopefully that answered your question, Terry. Uh, Darius had a question here. Is it just me, or is the 2012 class of high school prospects seem to be much more mature? and generally sincere than last year's crop. So I think he's actually talking about 2013. So we are in 2012, but the class of 2012 signed in February. Those were the guys from last year's recruiting class. So I think he's talking about the class of 2013 that will sign uh, in February of 2013. Um, so I asked Gerard about this. He said, this year's class is full of kids who can be very proactive in the recruiting process. And we've seen that, obviously, already with some of the guys that you know, have committed early, especially out-of-state guys getting that early. Uh, and they've definitely been more decisive. Now, we'll see if that holds true all the way till February because there are some early commits and there's some early talk out there. The class of 2012 definitely had some drama queens. Uh, but really, you didn't know about the whole story. It wasn't told until you got into All-Star Week. So it wasn't really this early. And, uh, you know, when when we saw guys switching commitments and when coaching changes happened and guys switch commitments after that, I mean, there was obviously a lot of drama uh, for that class. Uh, But so college coaches will raise the stakes, uh, you know, when that stuff happens, when you're talking about all-star week and some of the times these, you know, we've created this machine, this kind of hype machine around some of these guys. I mean, people want to know fans want to know. So we talk about these kids all the time. And it kind of spirals out of control sometimes. I think that happened a little bit last year for the class of 2012. We'll have to see going forward if it's going to happen for this class. But so far, you know, I agree with uh, Darius. It's definitely been a more mature uh, session so far. We'll see. We'll see if that holds true all the way till February. Okay, our friend Tarion wants to know about Elijah Qualls. Uh, Can you discuss him, please? And sure, he's a... Six foot two, about 275, 280 pound, uh, three star athlete uh, from Petaluma. And it's kind of interesting because he does do, uh, you know, he does a lot of stuff. He ran for 1300 yards as a 280 pound uh, tailback, six foot two, 280 pounds. That's pretty intriguing. I think a lot of schools like the fact that you're this huge dude and he can still run for 1300 yards. Uh, but USC isn't really recruiting him uh, as a running back. It's more as the potential of what he would be as a defensive tackle. Uh, He was at the Nike camp in Oakland last week and, and wasn't very, it wasn't dominant. It's kind of a raw, more of a raw prospect. Um, So you can see some of the parts. uh, Gerard sent me this, this point. Some of his parts are greater than the whole of his performance. Uh, you know, there is film of him from the Lyman one-on-one drills on Rivals.com, and uh, you can check that stuff out too. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting, and we'll see. It's kind of a raw prospect. But, uh, yeah, that having a 280-pound running back is kind of funny, but that's not where USC's uh, recruiting. And Andrew had a question on, too. They have a shot at, at quals, and uh, I think USC does have a very good shot But USC isn't really going after him, kind of a full-court press sort of thing. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens uh, with him there. Let's go to Andy V., who is a first-time emailer. Thank you very much, Andy, for emailing the show. He says, why are we all so stressed out about recruiting a tackle for next year? And he's referring to, we had a question earlier, Couple questions on offensive tackles and I think every single Trojan Blast podcast we've had questions on offensive tackles. And I you know, talked to Gerard about this too. He said mainly because USC doesn't have a true left tackle on the roster. It puts a lot of eggs in the basket of the right tackle trying to play on the left side or Zach Banner coming in. Um, so if you had guys, you know, you look at the guys that USC had at left tackle, Matt Khalil, Tyron Smith, Charles Brown. Over the last few years, you kind of get nervous because, you know, USC fans will get nervous. Those are some very talented left tackles that USC's had, you know, over the past several seasons. And the funny thing is, uh, Smith never played tackle, at, left tackle at USC successfully. I mean, he was playing right tackle while Matt Khalil played left tackle. And Brown was kind of an underachiever, but people perceive them as, you know, this, these guys are top of the line tackles and USC needs to replace them with someone. So um, interesting, you know, we'll see uh, you know what happens there, but uh, they'll move some guys around. Uh, I just talked to uh, Jacob Rogers uh, a week or two ago. I still have to put that story up, uh, but he came in as a tight end. So, I mean, it doesn't always mean that you have to recruit a top offensive tackle or a top left tackle. And that's where he stays. I mean, there certainly guys can move around and people have been successful uh doing that okay let's go to theo theo i like your i just want to comment on theo I like your questions theo you, you send it a lot uh so we can't really answer all of them but he's very concise and to the point so i do like it that he's sending in kind of short questions that you can get into and answer right away sometimes if you write you know three paragraphs it's really hard to read that on the podcast so uh let's go to theo um, he feels that USC procrastinated and lost out on Eddie Vanderdoze, who's a, a defensive end from uh, Placier, California. Four-star kid, 6'4", 285. And he says, I think a big part of it was overconfidence. I uh, hope we get Montrevious Adams. But if we don't, are there any other legitimate options? So uh, Qualls would likely be where, we are, you know, Elijah Qualls, we talked about, could be a replacement for uh, Vanderdoze. He's not the same player. But they're both, you know, defensive tackles. Uh, uh, Scott Pagano out of Hawaii, defensive tackle, could be a replacement as well. And uh, USC hasn't really gone all in on him. We should be getting some, excuse me, information on Scott Pagano. He's doing a camp in Hawaii right now. So we're going to get some pictures and stuff from that. Hopefully, we can get some footage and show you guys that on USCFootball.com. Uh, So in Gerard's opinion, the answer for Vanderdose came along a long time ago with the commitment of Kylie Fitz. Right now, Fitz is 265 pounds, but he could end up being 285 pounds in college. And I do feel bad if you listen to the regular podcast uh, that we put up on Monday. Um, We got to hear Coach Harvey Hyde talk about how much he really liked Kylie Fitz. And uh, so that was interesting there. So we'll see. What happens with that? Um, let's go. Theo had another one. What do you make of Kevin Palma? So he's uh, not ranked by rivals, doesn't have a star ranking yet. Uh, 6'1", 225-pound linebacker from Tulare, uh, California. And he's an interesting uh, prospect. He's listed as tight end recruit for most of the year, but it does look like he's quick enough uh, to play linebacker. So Michael Michael Hutchings is obviously the focus, um, and USC would hope to get a commitment from him over the summer. Uh, But do they take another look at Palmer, or does he have to become like an additional offer to Hutchings? Um, We're not really sure at this point, so we'll have to kind of see how that plays out. USC liked Hutchings in pads and game situations, and when you talk about camps, and Gerard loves to say this, it's not really football you're playing in, you know, and shorts and, and t-shirts and stuff so it's tough when you try to offer a kid just on cone drills and coverage drills and things like that uh running back and linebacker are definitely two different positions that are difficult to evaluate when you're when you're not talking about uh full contact you're not seeing guys in pads and and going after each other so definitely two of the positions that are tough to to evaluate in those spots okay let's go back to voicemail this really isn't a question it's so to speak, but just someone kind of giving thanks for the work we do here on the podcast.
1: Yeah. I'm a diehard Trojans fan from when I was a
0: little kid or years old.
1: and I've been a Trojans fan since I can remember. I appreciate everything that the uh, podcast pr- provides for us. The in-depth coverage of recruiting uh, to the, on, on the field issues. We just follow it every single day. And uh, obviously we, live and die by the USC children football team and,
0: and sports activities in general. And I just want to say I appreciate everything you do. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for the comments there. And uh, we always appreciate the feedback. We got a lot of feedback um, from you guys over the past week or so. I still have not did a drawing for the 5 r 75 are Better Than Your 85 t-shirts, but I will definitely do that very soon. Uh, it, was, it was a kind of crazy week with uh, Gerard not feeling good, so we're just trying to help him out and make sure he's going to be okay. But thanks. You know, I'm glad you can uh, tune in and enjoy the, enjoy the show. We've been doing this for over three years. We're doing more podcasts now and it's just fun. I mean, I I think people enjoy talking about the USC Trojan football team and USC football recruiting uh, all year round. Um, So it's different. I mean, it's a, it's a different medium that we just started experimenting and playing with and it's something you can download and, and play all the time. So uh, thanks for uh, tuning in, and uh, thanks for sending in those comments there. Let's go back to questions. Kevin uh, in the OC, he wants to know thoughts on Urban Meyer, who's now the head coach at Ohio State, and his shot at Sual Craven, 6'1", 205, five-star defensive backs from Marietta, California, out here in Southern California. Uh, guy can be rather persuasive, and I'm sure – but at least USC gets the last look, right? That's from Kevin, like I said in the OC. Um, Talked to Gerard about this too. He said he'd be surprised if Cravens visited Ohio State at this point. Really, he sees it more of a USC Michigan battle. Uh, Michigan's actually talking to Cravens about playing running back um, quite a bit. So that's that's kind of interesting. We'll see. I mean, I, I think if you read between the lines of a lot of what Gerard says. Um, yeah, it's, uh, USC's got a really excellent shot at Siwa Cravens. We actually have a, a, another voicemail question, too, from our friend Greg, and this has to do with uh, Cravens as well. Oh, well, hello, Parastyle Podcast dudes. This is your buddy Greg broadcasting from High Top Signal Hill. Hey, this question goes out to Gerard regarding uh, the recruiting of uh, Siwa Cravens. Uh, rumor has it that he has ties to SC already. And uh, that his cousin is Cameron Jordan, and uh, one of his coaches is a uh, famed USC linebacker legend number 55, Chris Claiborne. Uh, any truth to that rumor? And also I've heard that um, his mom is a USC Trojans football fan, and since he's going to announce his decision on his mother's birthday, you think uh, there could be a tie-in here? So um, your assessment of the situation be greatly appreciated, Gerard. And y'all have a great day. And as always, fight on, brothers and sisters. Beat everybody. All right, Greg. Well, uh, thank you for that question there. And, yeah, there's uh, a lot of truth to, I think, a lot of the rumors he was uh, talking about. But I think the most important thing, um, I went down to one of the passing tournaments that they, the Marietta team, they put a team together and did real well. I think they went all the way to the finals with Cravens making all kinds of plays. You can check out some of that footage up on uscfootball.com. I took a lot of uh, uh, ISO shots of just Sue Al Craven, so you can kind of see him. If you go to his uh, profile page, you'll see those videos linked in there. Um, yeah, Chris Claiborne was his coach there and uh, you know has been active. And Lonnie Ford. I don't know if you guys remember Lonnie Ford, but uh, you know, he's been involved as well um and they are set for June 6th is when they're going to do the announcement. We don't know exactly how it's going to happen. But we've been talking to his people and we'll find out more and we'll let you know for sure, but that is his mother's birthday uh which is the reason he decided to um announce on that day. I mean, I again if I'm a betting person, you're thinking that uh Cravens is going to uh be coming to USC. You know, so we'll see. Um what happens with that, but thanks for that one, Greg. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing him. I mean, definitely a, a very impressive uh, prospect. And uh, like I said, check out those videos, uh, there's some really good stuff on there and you can see him, you know, playing safety, making interceptions, but also, you know, catching a lot of passes. You can kind of see his ball skills and it's certainly worth watching. Um, let's go to Rob uh, from Ukaika. And he says, seems the addition of the John McKay center is having an influence on recruiting. In the past, it seems USC's outdated facilities were used against them from the, the competition. And I did, Rob, go get to take a tour. Well, I guess it was a month or so, maybe a little more than a month ago. I think it's probably a lot more completed at this point. We put up a video of that tour of the John McKay Center and certainly was impressive. And to see where Lane Kiffin's office overlooking the practice field would be and uh, the indoor... Uh, football field and, uh, you know, the nutrition center. There's so much good stuff in there, uh, not just to, to look good and have, you know, cool lockers that have uh, video games and things like that, but just really to help the athletes on the academic side, uh, on the athletic side, on nutrition. There's a lot there, and I think all of that uh, can certainly help. And, yeah, definitely, um, it was used – Against USC in recruiting. And I remember talking to Chris Carlisle, who was uh, very forthcoming. When I would talk to him, he would go in there and do an interview. He was in a, an office that I guess you could say would be a small closet. And uh, with some impressive, you know, he'd have jerseys of like Kenichi Daisy, and all these guys that, uh, you know, went through and guys that, you know, came in like out of shape and, and left superstars and, uh, you know, super in shape. And, you know, I think guys uh, Chris Carlisle was very proud of doing it. And I remember talking to him about it, and he said that they were going to upgrade his facilities, but they needed to, the team needed to win a, a Pac-10 championship at the time. They went out and did it. And I think the next line he told me was, and then they said, well, if you guys can win a national championship, you know, then we can upgrade the facilities. And then they did. They went two in a row. And then the line after that was, uh, well, <laughs> you don't really need one if you can win a <laughs> championship. So it was kind of a, a catch-22 there. Did they really need it? Um, but it certainly helps. And, uh, you know, I, I asked uh, Gerard about it too. He said that uh, it helps for sure. It gives USC a focal point for the future. It makes it easier to sell like the new the, the, this newness to recruits. I think a lot of the recruits like the fact that there's something new and shiny and especially something they could be a part of for the first time. Tradition is certainly important. But all the recruits want to hear about is uh, schools, how they put guys into the NFL as far as uh, tradition goes. You know, Is there a tradition? And USC obviously has that. Some recruits want to be part of something new. So USC really is trying to combine something old and something new, that NFL pipeline, uh, and then also the, uh, the new facilities. And certainly they looked impressive, and uh, we'll kind of see where they go from there. Let's see. Our SC code, this one is from Andrew are the USC coaches uh, after uh, Kalfani Muhammad, who is a uh, running back, Notre Dame uh, High School in Sherman Oaks, 5'8", 175 pounds. He's a four-star, according to Rivals.com. That's from Andrew. And USC coaches have seen him, Andrew, this spring, but I wouldn't say uh, that they're after him. I don't think that's really accurate. They're aware uh, that he's out there, but right now it doesn't look like they're you know, actually – actively uh going after him all right here's another one from our boy theo what do you think about recruiting khalil rogers as a defensive tackle great aggression ability to move and shed lineman is unmatched uh i think he would be feared he would be a feared two-way player so khalil rogers there's been a lot of talk about him i think we get questions every week six three three hundred pounds four star from uh maryland but he's you know, high school teammates with uh, Kenny Bigelow and uh, David Sills. So, you know, two USC commits. And so people are kind of getting on him. Mostly plays interior linemen on the offensive line. Uh, and that's not where USC is focused right now. So I think there's 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 a lot of questions on why he's not this and why he's not that. Whatever. Okay. So uh, I asked Gerard about this too. He does think Rodgers would be, be able to play in like a 3-4 scheme where you need some big mass uh, over the center. Uh, putting him kind of at a nose thing. Uh, USC kind of, they tend to recruit uh, defensive tackles that can run. Not really sure if uh, Rogers can move fast enough beyond that, like five yard bubble. So Gerard's not real high on it. Uh, we'll see kind of what happens there. One of those wait, and, excuse me, wait and see things, but everyone every week wants to know uh, about Khalil Rogers. So hasn't really changed. Uh, we'll see. We'll see as we see him in more camps and stuff like that. Um, this one is from Martin, and he he writes in, I would hope all fans could get over the loss of Ellis McCarthy. Monrovia plays in Southern Section Division Four, same division as San Dimas High. In this division, McCarthy had two to three inches on most linemen and easily anywhere between 30 and 50 pounds on every player he plays against. San Dimas runs the wing tee, which is its speed, uh, you know, made McCarthy a non-factor most of the time. Most teams that played Monrovia that had speed on offense made McCarthy a non-factor. I'm not trying to say that McCarthy is not a good player. I just don't think he's as great as everyone makes him out to be. That's from Martin, and uh, he's a San Dimas High alumni. I, I asked Gerard to comment on that, and he said uh, noted. So he notes your uh, comments there, Martin. And if you do want to listen to the podcast's from Monday, uh, from May 21st, we did have Coach Harvey Hyde talking about that and uh, kind of comparing him to what he thinks about Kenny Bigelow. Gerard compared them, and uh, you know, last week on the Charge and Blast, and it was a tight race for him. It wasn't really that tight for Coach Harvey Hyde. He was a big fan, and I wanted to get Gerard's comments on that. But he's a big fan of Kenny Bigelow and Kylie Fitz. Was not a, a huge fan of uh, Ellis McCarthy, mostly about his motor. Didn't think that he had the, the motor, and, and uh, I believe he called him soft. <laughs> um, so yeah, there was definitely some issues there uh, from Coach Harvey Hyde, and I, I think some people, Martin, feel the same way you did. Gerard, though, you know, has always been a big fan of uh, Ellis McCarthy, and um, you know, you look at this kid, just an impressive athlete. We'll see. You know, he's going to be across town. He's going to be playing at UCLA. Really, the only you know, big five-star local kid that SC went after that I can remember that, that UCLA end up getting. And, um, so that was kind of a, a, you know, a big win for the Bruins. We'll see what happens as far as his playing career and stuff goes and watching there. But thanks Martin for those comments. Okay. We have a bunch of questions from, uh, Rundy. Hopefully I, I wrote that down. Right. Uh, so Rundy is his name. If not, I do apologize. Email me and you can, you can yell at me. Um, Let's start off at the top. He said, uh, with Cravens and almost locked to give USC his verbal and Hutching soon to follow, that will be nine verbals with 18 total spots available. Since USC is a hot ticket right now, recruits have to be noticing that this class is not only looking to be one for the ages, but another dynasty in the making as well. Do you think more recruits will give early verbals to ensure their spots uh, at USC? And uh, I, th- I think you have to take... oh so." So he, he, I'm sorry, he goes on to say, uh, say USC secures 18 early verbals and then someone like Vernon Hargraves gives them a silent verbal. Would they take an offer away from a less heralded recruit like uh, Chris Hawkins? Um, So Vernon Hargraves, he's a five-star defensive back out of uh, uh, Tampa, Florida, 5'11", 185 pounds. And Chris Hawkins is the USC commit from Rancho Cucamonga, four-star DB. Um, I think every recruit, It's different. And I think you have to handle every recruit differently. Hardgrave, you know, if you talk about Vernon Hardgraves, his recruitment can't be handled the same way as a guy like Ty Isaac. Uh, Ty Isaac had an accelerated plan and uh, Hardgraves does not. Really, USC needs some amount of certainty uh, going into January. And I I think some of these early commits kind of give them that. Uh, But it doesn't mean, and I talked to Gerard about this, he goes, it doesn't mean the fans need that kind of certainty. Uh, Some of these out-of-state commitments may be better off left unspoken until USC gets closer to signing day. So I think – and I I agree with Gerard's point there. Everyone is different. All these recruits are going to be different. Um, You have to handle them differently. I was impressed with getting some of the big-name out-of-state recruits as early as they did, uh, trying to lock those guys up and do whatever you can to get them in there. Obviously, it's still hard to to keep them. Um, You're going to get a lot of local pressure – You're going early. A guy like Ty Isaac is going to get a lot of pressure, things like that. But uh, we'll see. We'll see going forward uh, with them. But, yeah, it does look like it's going to be, uh, you know, a a class for the ages. I was tweeting with Mike Farrell a little bit. Uh, He he thinks that USC might not even take a three-star commitment. And USC is the only school that's had a, a, you know, recruiting classes. I think they've had five of them with uh, four-star plus averages. And obviously right now, you know, with – Couple five stars and the rest four stars. That average is up there right now. Could be a couple more five stars. You know, it could be the highest recruiting average that that rivals has ever seen. Um, certainly, the potential is there. So yeah, it could be it could be a class for for the ages. And don't necessarily mean that it's a hot ticket that a recruit's going to sign up because well they're hot in recruiting right now. I think recruits do that things for their own reason. But it does seem like Lane Kiffin and his staff prepared enough over the last you know year or two to make this class something special, and that's what it looks like it's going to be. Even though it can't be big, only 18 players, it still looks like it's something that's going to be special. Uh, he goes on to say, I love both Isaac, uh, Ty Isaac we talked about, and Justin Davis, uh, both USC running backs commit, commits. Uh, Davis does not look fast to me, though, he says, and questions have been raised about Isaac's level of competition. If Oregon gets nailed by the NCAA... And uh, Thomas Tyner, a true speed burner, is available. Does USC take him? So USC already has those two guys committed. Both are four-star running backs. Um, Rivals comes out with new rankings on Tuesday. There's some talk that Ty Isaac could end up being a five-star from a four-star. And Thomas Tyner is a a five-star. He's the top-rated running back uh, that Rivals.com has on the board right now, six feet, 200 pounds. He's from Beaverton, Oregon, and is a current USC commit um davis is definitely fast enough though um tyner has like track speed he's a track athlete but if you go by the film and i think gerard's mentioned this before you don't really see it translate that track speed onto the football field quite as much it's not like you look at him and he's blowing guys away um usc's certainly involved with him and will continue to recruit him in the shadows just in case something happens with uh, his commitment to Oregon, something shakes loose, something weird could happen there. So USC's not going away and they were in on him early enough where you can kind of still keep in contact, but you know, I think they're pretty happy right now with the two commitments they have. And if someone like Tyner could fall in their lap, then you probably have to make a decision somewhere down the road. Um, the last question Rundy had is with USC, absolutely dominating recruiting on the West coast in parentheses, not to mention commits from Ohio, Delaware and Texas. Do you think, other Pac- What do you think the other Pac-12 coaches are thinking? And Gerard said, they're thinking. I hope they start recruiting more in Delaware. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. Good job, Gerard. Kudos for that one. Um, Gerard, this one is from JD in D.C. First, he wants to give props to Gerard. He says, I seem to recall you identified Qualls as a real under-the-radar baller some time ago. Big t- props to you for anticipating that offer. Yeah, he did. I mean, Gerard really did anticipate it, and he got it out there. But his question uh, for this week uh, is he wants you to compare some wide receivers. Uh, Demorio Stringfellow, who's six foot two, hundred eighty-five pounds, 4-star from Moreno Valley. I got to see him a little bit at the Los Angeles Nike camp. Uh, Daryl Daniels uh, from Oakland, 4-star. 6'4", uh, 205 pounds, and Eldridge Massington out of Mesquite, Texas, who is a USC commit, six three, two hundred five pounds, four-star for Mesquite, like I said. uh, seem these guys all bring the same attributes to this, this year's class, don't they? And uh, here's what Gerard wrote in, and here's what he said. Stringfellow and Daniels are similar in that they are possession receivers, and they will play below safeties in college. Massington is more of a vertical threat, really doesn't play big in between the hashes. It's a little bit different there. Uh, most of what you see on film from him are outside release vertical routes when he goes deep and uses his speed. Daniels are reported ten seven in the 100 meters, which is fast, but on film and in person, he really bodies up defenders and goes across the field more than he does up the field. Stringfellow is like that as well. Both Daniels and Strigfellows are raw athletes that rarely depend on their size more than Massington at this stage, so... Those are kind of the bigger guys, um, you know. Even though Massington's not a small dude, six foot three, two hundred five pounds, he's he's used using his speed a little bit more for that. And uh, Jerry from Fallbrook had a very similar question, so hopefully Jerry that that answered your question there. Uh, another receiver question that's from Matthew, with the addition of big receiver Massington, uh, is it likely the coaches will offer an in-state receiver, and if so, would Darren Daniels, string fellow guys we mentioned. Stephen Mitchell, who's smaller but to seem to be more of a playmaker, any of those guys. And uh, it does seem like USC wants to go big. If uh, those options do fall through, uh, a couple of names you can watch out for. Uh, out of Long Beach, uh, John Ross. And out of San Diego, uh, Darren Carrington. So Ross is small uh, but very dynamic. Certainly a different type of receiver. Better athlete than Mitchell. Uh, but he's not as disciplined and probably not as well-trained uh as Mitchell is uh, Carrington is the son of Darren Carrington who played for the Chargers. So there's some uh, lineage there. I uh, very good, sneaky, good. Gerard says, and shows some real flashes of playmaking ability. So if you look at Carrington, he's about six one and Ross is a little smaller. He's about five, uh, nine. So hopefully that answered your question. Matthew uh, we will go on to bill in Glendale, it seems to me that USC has offered many, many more scholarships than what they have room for under the sanctions. From what I read, it seems they've offered 20 to 25, maybe more uh, for the coming year, since USC only has 15 and um, you know 18 for this year. What happens if 20 players accept those scholarship offers? So uh, USC can only take 18, and as far as we know, there's not going to be any more commits uh, than that number. It's just that simple. You can't really do more, you can't bring in twenty guys, uh, and there's no way that twenty you know twenty kids are going to wake up tomorrow and all decide to commit. It just doesn't work like that. It, there's a process that's going on, so uh, commitments are taken and measured by the staff throughout the year. So once one kid commits, it kind of changes the aspect. It's not to say that an offer would go away, but when coaches stop recruiting a player, so if if one if you know two. Tight ends are being recruited. That's not happening this year. But uh, and and USC only wants to take one, and they get a commitment from the one. And it's assumably the one they wanted more. They pretty much stop. You know, even though the other tight end has an offer, they pretty much stop recruiting him. He's not going to be able to say, "Oh, I, you know, I, I'm committing," and it just doesn't work like that. So um, it's kind of like when you buy an airline ticket; they sell more. Than what they have because some people are going to drop off too so there's there's more than 20 or 25 offers out there they don't offer 18 scholarships if you have 18 scholarships to give you have to offer you know significantly more than that and you see some schools offering way way more than that but it doesn't mean just everyone could just turn in this this magic chip offer and then you know usc's left holding the bag that's just not how it works uh jeremy in honolulu Writes in, I couldn't help but think of all the recent questions of who will commit to USC next. When I saw the tie Isaac commitment, Isaac really wasn't mentioned. Any chance Isaac saw the reports or heard about the answers and wanted to prove them all to be wrong? Gerard's like, haha, probably not. Uh, Pixie just got tired of the process and wanted to end it. Um, we knew and reported Isaac was in line to make a decision early summer, so it wasn't a complete surprise. Uh, of a commitment when he did. Uh, but yeah, I didn't think we I, we really thought he was going to be next, but it was just kind of something he wanted to end there. Uh, Kenny Bigelow, we already mentioned, five-star defensive uh, lineman out of Maryland, 6'3", 322 pounds. Garrett in Seattle had this question on him. Seems he's pretty well committed to USC at this point, which is great. My question relates to his grades and academics. With him changing high schools and all that, and the schools being more or less started by David Sills' father, who's the quarterback commit class of 2015 is everything with his academics in order, as far as accreditation credits, incidentally qualifying, et cetera. I assume the coaches are already on top of this. Do you have any knowledge on this? And, uh, John Baxter, Gerard says it's all over it. Every commitment talks to back, every commit talks to Baxter after his announcement and has put on an academic game plan with Bigelow specifically, his early commitment means that his transcripts have already been thoroughly evaluated. So I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, Garrett, a couple of quick ones left. Uh, better high school tape, Ty Isaac, Nelson Aguilar, or Dylan Baxter. That's from Andrew. And uh, Gerard wrote me back and said, Wow, that's a tough one. None of these options play played against great high school competition, Isaac Aguilar or. Baxter. But truth be told, Isaac probably plays on the best team overall. I'd probably say Nelson Aguilar because his tape was great on both sides of the ball. Uh, We're excited about his potential as a safety well before anyone talked about him playing wide out and or running back. And then we have one last question from Matthew. Does USC have any offers out to JUCO prospects? And if so, should we expect any? So I went looking through. I didn't get to talk to Gerard about this, but kind of looked through did some research in the database and Uh, There's 13 guys on the Rivals database that are JUCO guys, JC guys, that have listed USC in their interests. But really, there's only one uh, prospect that has an offer uh, from USC that I could see. Toby Johnson, uh, 6'4", 295 defensive tackle uh, from Hutchinson uh, Community College, which is in Hutchinson, Kansas. Uh, He's going to be a December grad and has offers pretty much from all over the country. So any just name a, a football school. It looks like he's got an offer from them. So uh, he does look like an impressive prospect. We can talk to Gerard about it next week when hopefully he is feeling better and comes on the show. Holy crap, 50 minutes of just me talking. Try that sometime. It's, <laughs> it's not the easiest thing in the world. But hopefully we did a good job of answering all your questions. And if you have any more, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com thanks again we do love all the feedback and any comments suggestions you have i am going to change the introduction it is me i just had to change it up a little bit we wanted something specific for the trojan blast so i will be working on that um so don't worry if you if you don't like the introduction we're going to change it and we'll get something different in there but thanks again for tuning in to the peristyle podcast you can always check us out Parastylepodcast.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at, at Inside Troy. Check it out there. And of course, everything we do is up on USAFootball.com. So thanks again. We'll talk to you all next week.